section thirty three of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter twenty six the midshipmen seen on the shore a boat sent from the brig the enemy appear on the cliffs and open fire the brig returns it the midshipmen rescued the brig gets clear of the enemy tom recounts his and gerald's adventures evening was approaching all hands had been busy repairing damages the carpenters below stopping shot-holes the rest of the crew on deck knotting and splicing the rigging some way ahead was seen a lofty bluff with a range of cliffs which the chart showed extended far along the shore a shoal ran off it so the brig had of necessity to steer some distance over to the opposite bank as had been done all along a vigilant lookout was kept for any object moving on the western side needham's keen eye was employed in the service he felt a sincere affection for the youngsters and longed to recover them almost as much as did their relatives just abreast of the brig appeared a shallow valley with a stream in the middle and trees growing on either side reaching down to the edge of the water needham was examining the spot with even more than his usual care i am sure of it he exclaimed suddenly one of them is waving his handkerchief or a bit of rag of some sort it must be the young gentleman jack and terence brought their glasses to bear on the spot the pinnace towing astern was hauled up alongside terence and needham jumped into her with a ready crew just as she was shoving off a party of artillery and a body of infantry appeared on the cliffs above Take six small-armed men in case the enemy should see the lads and attempt to stop them exclaimed jack the muskets will probably keep the spaniards at a distance while they get on board the men who had been called away having received their ammunition were in a few seconds in the boat which now pulled as fast as the crew could bend to their oars towards the shore the enemy must have been surprised at seeing her for not having discovered the midshipmen they probably did not conceive for what object she was approaching the shore in the meantime the carronades had been turned towards the cliff and the rockets got ready until fired on however jack had determined not to fire indeed his shot at the distance he then was from the cliffs could not have told with much effect as it would have been unwise to heave to in so dangerous a position the topsails were lowered on the caps and topgallant sails and royals let fly so as not to leave the boat behind the midshipmen for there was no doubt that it was they who were seen in their eagerness to get on board the boat came out from beneath the overhanging shrubs which had hitherto concealed them from the view of those on the cliffs to the end of a point the enemy caught sight of them and now understanding the object of the boat instantly began firing at her while a party of men hurried down to try and cut them off we must put a stop to that cried jack giving orders to open fire with long tom 
and the carronades the enemy replied with their field-pieces the brig having edged over as close as she could venture opened on them with rockets the boat by this time had scarcely got half-way to the shore while the two midshipmen seeing the party coming to intercept them threw themselves into the water and swam off to the boat regardless of the bullets flying about their heads they struck out boldly the boat's crew pulling with all their might to reach them while the small arm men kept up a sharp fire on the enemy at the top of the cliffs which prevented them from taking so accurate an aim as they would otherwise have done jack watched them with the deepest anxiety he saw the shot splashing into the smooth water and bounding over them one better aimed might send either of the lads to the bottom he had not however forgotten that he had charge of the brig and was obliged to turn his eyes away from them to look after her tom being a better swimmer than gerald might quickly have been on board but in spite of the bullets which came flying around his head he was seen to stop and support his companion just like him exclaimed needham i would give every year i have to live to save the lads just then one of the small arm men in the boat was hit and dropping his musket he sank down across the thwarts needham seized it and catching sight of a spaniard aiming at the lads he fired the man dropped his piece which went off in the air a few more strokes and the boat was up to the midshipmen eager hands were stretched out to haul them on board take him first cried tom and terence grasping his nephew's hands lifted him on board needham hauled in tom and after the boat had been put round the crew pulled away for the brig several round shot were fired at her but fell fortunately either ahead or astern the musketry was most annoying but as the summit of the cliff offered no shelter to the spaniards they were exposed to a sharp fire kept up by the small arm men in the boat and were obliged to retreat in order to reload their pieces every time they fired they could thus as they ran forward to the edge take but an unsteady aim as soon as the midshipmen were in the boat needham gave up the helm to terence and reloading his musket continued to fire at every spaniard who appeared eager as terence was to learn how the midshipmen escaped there was no time just then to ask them questions the boat was quickly alongside tom and gerald managed to climb on deck without much assistance jack only gave tom a short and hearty greeting he then ordered him and desmond at once to go below and stow themselves away we must not have you hit now we have got you he said we will hear all about your adventures when we are out of fire and that will be i hope before long though several shot had struck the brig no one was killed and two men only slightly wounded while as far as could be seen from her deck it was believed that the enemy had suffered pretty severely the flying artillery continued along the edge of the cliffs and occasionally fired a shot but at last the ground sloping and being rough and uneven and covered with trees they were unable to make way and wheeling round disappeared a shot from long tom which had been brought to bear on them making them gallop off at the top of their speed 
as it was now growing dusk and the wind had fallen the supplejack came to an anchor tom and gerald had in the meantime got a change of clothes and enjoyed a hearty meal which they acknowledged they greatly wanted jack had desired them to go to his cabin and by the time he could leave the deck he found them sitting there laughing and talking as if nothing very particular had occurred well my boys you don't seem much the worse for your adventures he said as he took his seat at the table no sir answered gerald the swim was the worst part of them indeed had it not been for time i believe i should have sunk before the boat could have picked us up i want you to tell me all that happened to you how you escaped from the gauchos who we heard carried you off and how you managed to make your way to the river which we by the by always thought that you would do if you could are we to begin from the first asked tom yes answered jack i should like to hear all about it and how the gauchos did not kill you at first i am sure i thought that they would when i found one of their long lassos round my waist and myself hauled along till the breath was nearly squeezed out of my body the fellow who caught hold of me however dragged me quickly upon his saddle and galloped away like the wind i saw that gerald was treated in the same manner and though i was sorry for him i must confess that i was glad to have a companion in my misfortune i fancy that the fellows thought they had got hold of two very important personages away we went for some twenty miles or so without drawing rein when we found that we had reached the camp of general rosas had he been at obligado i suspect that his troops would not have run away so soon our captors carried us at once into his presence and were somewhat disappointed by finding that we were only a couple of midshipmen and not the important personages they supposed the general however told them to take care of us and bring us along with him as he was marching with the chief part of his army to the northward i must say that our captors were not bad-tempered fellows and we soon got into their good graces by talking and laughing though they could not understand much more of what we said than we could of their language they got us each a horse which was much pleasanter than riding behind them and at night we lay down to sleep with a horse-rug over us and our saddles for pillows we asked them to teach us how to use the lasso whenever there was a halt and they were surprised to find how well we soon learnt to use it though of course we could not equal them whenever we encamped they and a good many others used to go out foraging in all directions and as there was game of all sorts we never came back without a supply their mode of catching partridges is very curious each man supplies himself with a long thin stick at the end of which a loop is attached he rides on till he sees a covey of birds on the ground and then instead of darting at them he circles round and round the birds not attempting to fly do nothing but run along the ground the gaucho keeps narrowing his circle till he gets within reach of a bird when he drops the loop over its head and whips it up a prisoner on his saddle 
they used to catch a number of birds in this way and in an hour or so a fellow would have a dozen or more hanging to his saddle we imitated them and after a little practice we also managed to catch a good many though we did not equal them of course from the first we determined to make our escape and we agreed that if we could catch birds in this way we might supply ourselves with food in the wilder places we found a number of animals very much like rabbits only with longer tails and larger teeth which live in burrows close together before camping in an evening we saw hundreds of the creatures sitting on their haunches in front of their burrows they would look at us for some time as if wondering who we were and would then scamper off and pitch down head foremost into their holes giving a curious flourish with their hind legs and tails before they disappeared they are much more difficult to catch than the partridges though we still hoped to get hold of some of them should we be hard pressed for food when the day's march was over the gauchos amused themselves by horse racing gambling either with cards dominoes or coin a sort of pitch and toss game and they would frequently make bets on the strength of their horses to settle the point their plan was to fasten the two horses stern to stern by a short lasso secured to the saddle or girth of either animal at a short distance from each other the gauchos having mounted their respective horses one being placed on one side of a line drawn on the ground and the other on the other side then set to work to lash and spur their steeds in opposite directions until the strongest drew the weaker over the line the former being thus declared the victor their custom of racing gave desmond and me the idea that we might manage some evening to make our escape we appeared always to watch their performances with great interest and at last we proposed to race any of them who would like to try with us none of the grown men would condescend to do so but two lads came forward and agreed to start away we went to the westward taking good care to let our competitors win next evening we had another race when we were again beaten hollow we complained that it was the fault of our horses and that if they would give us better ones they should see that englishmen were able to ride as well as they could they agreed to this and we started in the same direction as before gerald's horse was the best and reached the tree which was to be our goal before either of the young gauchos who however got in before me i had as long as i was in sight of the camp belaboured and spurred my steed but as soon as our competitors got ahead of me i let the animal go at the pace he chose we had now we hoped gained the confidence of our captors and gerald and i agreed that the next evening we would propose racing together we had each of us some reals and smaller pieces of money in our pockets we pulled several of them out as stakes which to assist in disarming suspicion we gave to one of the gauchos to hold for us this evening we were fortunately on the right of the camp that is to say on the side nearest the river we fixed on a tree which appeared on the outskirts of a wood in the south-east as our goal we both pretended to be much interested in the race and jabbered away in the same fashion as they do we felt anxious enough as you may suppose about the result though not in the way our captors fancied 
we had managed to get hold of some line which we stowed in our pockets as well as enough food to last us for a couple of days at all events the gauchos seemed to think it very good fun not in the slightest degree suspecting our intentions having furnished us with whips and fastened huge spurs to our feet they assisted us to mount our somewhat fiery steeds when once in our saddles we stuck on like wax though the animals did their best to get rid of us our only fear was that some of the gauchos might take it into their heads to accompany us which would have effectually prevented the success of our undertaking we rode backwards and forwards several times among the men and talked away to each other in the style they were accustomed to do our object being to put off starting as long as possible till darkness was approaching that we might have a better chance of escaping at last we could delay no longer so riding up side by side to the natives we begged them to start us fairly when off we set digging our spurs into our horses flanks and whacking the unfortunate beast with our whips the tree towards which we were directing our course was fully half a mile off and as the border of the wood was in shadow we hoped that we should be able to get into it and pass through on the other side before our flight was discovered we dared not turn our heads to see if we were followed but keeping close together urged on our steeds till the wood was reached a narrow opening which we had not before perceived was before us we dashed into it and to our satisfaction found that we were not compelled even to pull rein but galloped on as fast as at first we were now sorry that we had not started earlier as we should have had more daylight to see our way another wide extent of open ground was before us we urged on our steeds across it their feet narrowly escaping the rabbit holes which existed in one or two parts we escaped them however and reached a copse through which we in vain tried to find a passage for our horses afraid at last of losing time and being overtaken we agreed to abandon them and make our way on foot towards the river which we thought must be at no great distance desmond proposed that we should fasten our silver spurs and whips to the saddles to show the owners that we did not wish to steal their property no sooner however had we dismounted than having incautiously let go our reins while we were unstrapping our spurs our steeds galloped off and prevented us from putting our laudable intentions into execution it was well that we did not do as we proposed we agreed because should our steeds return the gauchos would know that we had intentionally made our escape whereas now they might suppose we had tumbled off and broken our necks or at all events have been unable to remount in either case the fellows will probably come to look for us observed desmond for they will not like to lose their spurs on which they set high value well then we will fasten them and our whips on this branch which will show them the honesty of our intentions if they come to look for us i said we shall have at all events several hours start as they cannot get through the copse on horseback better than we can we did as i proposed and then plunging into the copse tried to make our way through it we tore our clothes and nearly scratched our eyes out however but still we made way our chief fear being that we might fall in with a jaguar 
but as we had heard that they are cowardly beasts and will not attack two people together we were not much troubled on the subject before it grew quite dark therefore we cut two sticks to defend ourselves and two long wands such as the gauchos use for catching birds the thick sticks helped us also to make our way through the bushes the stars soon came out brightly and enabled us to keep a tolerably direct course towards the east still we could not help wishing to get out of the wood as soon as possible i had heard about jaguars tracking people the unpleasant thought came across me that one might at any moment pounce down upon us i did not tell desmond not wishing to make him as uncomfortable as myself on the subject i was afraid had we shouted which would have been the best means of keeping these creatures off that we might be heard by the gauchos or any other enemies who might pursue us and as that was the greatest risk of the two i thought it would be wiser to make our way in silence at last we again got into open ground and fancied that we were going to make good progress when suddenly we ran against an object which made us start back with several severe pricks in our legs and hands had we not had our sticks before us we should have been regularly impaled on examination we found that they were those prickly plants which we used to call puzzle monkeys in the west indies only these grew like so many sword-blades with thorns on both sides sticking out of the ground it was impossible to get through this bristling barrier so we had to turn on one side and run along it hoping at length to double round the end the hedge might for what we knew extend for miles and we were almost in despair for should the gauchos follow us we should lose all chance of escaping at last however we came to a dip our hopes revived it was we felt sure the head of a valley for we saw the ground rising on the other side and that it must lead us down to the piranha itself or to some stream running into it trees instead of those abominable prickly pears thinly covered the banks and on reaching the bottom we found a rivulet from which we thankfully quenched our thirst we agreed that things were beginning to look brighter the horsemen were not likely to find us and we should have no difficulty in making our way either in the water or along the edge of the stream gerald reminded me that bruce or some other scotch hero of ancient days when pressed by his enemies had escaped from them by wading along the bed of a stream so that all traces of his footsteps were lost the only question was whether our enemies would take the troubles to hunt us so far and if they did not we should have had all our pains for nothing however as it was the safest plan we stepped into the stream on we went down it feeling with our sticks for fear of tumbling into a hole the water was fortunately shallow and the bed tolerably smooth so we got on better than we should have done on dry ground at last the water which had been growing deeper and deeper came almost up to our hips and we agreed that it would be safer to land and try and make our way through the bushes or near the stream which would serve as a guide i cannot tell you how delighted we were after we had gone on in this way for a couple of hours to see before us with the stars reflected on its smooth surface the broad channel of the river we could scarcely believe that we had reached it in so short a time we forgot indeed how far we had galloped and the distance we had come on foot 
we at once began to look along the shore for a spot where we might hide ourselves while we rested for as you may suppose we were very tired for fear that the smoke would betray us we dared not light a fire which we should have liked to do to dry our wet clothes however we sat down and emptied our shoes of water which we had been afraid of taking off for fear of hurting our feet and wrung out our socks and trousers our hopes of ultimately escaping depended we believed on our being seen by some vessel going up or down the river but before one should appear we might we knew full well be overtaken by the gauchos sleepy as we both were we agreed that one of us must be ever on the watch while the other slept we tossed up who should keep the first watch it came to my lot so desmond lay down and i sat by his side trying hard to keep awake and i must confess that it was about the most difficult job i ever had in my life i winked at the stars till they all seemed winking at me i pinched myself black and blue i rubbed my hands i kicked my feet but all to no purpose i kept blinking and nodding as much as ever i should have been off in another moment so i jumped up and took several short turns along the shore the thought that a jaguar might spring on gerald prevented me from going far as i got to the farther end of the beat i had marked out for myself i stopped for i fancied that i heard some curious squeaking and grunting not unlike that made by a litter of very young pigs i listened attentively and crept silently towards the spot the sounds came from beneath the roots of an old tree i suspected that they must be produced by a litter of capybaras or water-hogs which creatures as you know frequent these shores in great numbers i marked the spot so as not to mistake it should we not be able to catch the old animals we might secure the young ones if hard pressed for food this raised my spirits and i was able to keep awake thinking of the best way to trap them when my watch was over i awoke desmond and told him what i had discovered he agreed with me that we need have no fear of starving capital he answered and i dare say that we shall find some roots and nuts i am afraid however that we shall have to eat our meat raw i observed that would be better than having no meat to eat and i dare say a young capybara will be very tender desmond let me sleep on till daylight or rather he fell asleep and neither of us awoke till the rising sun struck in our eyes we then discovered that the spot where we lay was exposed to the view of any one coming up or down the river to our left rising directly out of the river were some high cliffs but we were concealed by the overhanging bushes from any one standing on their summit while on our right down the river beyond the mouth of the valley the ground was broken and covered with trees and shrubs we could see no plantations or cottages or any sign that the country was inhabited we had therefore hopes that we should be able to conceal ourselves till we could get on board some passing vessel provided we could in the meantime obtain food but on that score we were not much troubled having hung up our shoes and trousers to dry in the sun we had a bathe which was very refreshing and then sat down and breakfasted on the dried meat and biscuit we brought with us the next most important thing we had to do was to find a secure hiding-place after hunting about we found a regular cave large enough to conceal half a dozen persons 
the mouth was very narrow which was all the better it was formed partly by the roots of a large tree the earth from beneath which had been washed away there was a hole between the roots which would serve as a chimney and we agreed that though it might be dangerous to light a fire in the daytime when the smoke would betray us we might venture to do so at night to hide the light we tore off a number of branches which we stuck into the ground in front of our cave having swept out and levelled the ground we considered that we had got a very comfortable abode we did not forget the old capybara and the young ones we had fitted nooses at the end of our wands and armed with these we crept close to the tree i had marked the squeaking was still going on within so we knew that dame capybara and her family were at home before long however out she came followed by five or six young ones in line we should have liked to try and noose her but she would have broken away from us so we waited for the last small one of her progeny i threw my noose over its head and whipped it up in a moment when gerald seizing hold of it quickly stopped its cries the old capybara turned round but we having got behind a tree she did not see us and she being unacquainted with arithmetic did not discover that one of her young ones was missing feeling pretty sure that we should be able to capture the others in the same way and perhaps catch her we returned to our cave here we amused ourselves by skinning and preparing the young capybara for the spit when it was ready we hung it up on a stick stuck in the wall we then set to work and formed a fireplace of earth and as soon as it was finished we went out again and collected a supply of firewood when this was done we were greatly tempted to light a fire and roast our capybara but prudence prevailed instead of that we hunted about and were rewarded by finding some berries and small plums which were very ripe and as we saw the birds eating them we had no doubt that they were wholesome we need have no fear of starving now faith observed gerald i am not certain but that i would rather live this robinson crusoe sort of life for a few weeks than go on board and have to keep watch come come you ought not to tell the commander that tom exclaimed gerald interrupting tom when he said this you know you agreed with me that it would be very jolly fun if it was not for the chance of being caught yes i know i did answered tom but remember i added if it were not for the anxiety we were causing my brother and lieutenant adair well youngsters observed jack it was very natural though you would have soon got tired of the life but how did you get on for the remainder of the time very well considering all things continued tom it was fortunate however that we did not light the fire for as i went down to the river to get some water in my shoe having nothing else to carry it in as i looked up towards the cliff i caught sight of several people standing on the top as their eyes were however directed further up the stream i hoped that they had not caught sight of me though i could not be sure at all events i quickly drew back and hurried to the cave to warn desmond of the danger we were in we at once went inside and covered up the entrance as well as we could with the boughs so that even should any one come to look for us and pass the spot we might escape discovery we lay down anxiously listening for any sound but none was heard and at last we both dropped off to sleep this must not happen again though i said to gerald when at length we awoke perhaps a vessel may have passed down the river while we were snoozing and we have lost our chance of getting on board 
those fellows were probably looking out for her this thought made us feel quite unhappy you certainly did lose your chance observed jack for a steamer which i spoke came down about that time and you might probably have got on board her i told you so gerald exclaimed tom i was but it does not matter now answered gerald all's well that ends well you are right but it might not have been so had we been shot by those fellows as we were swimming off to the supple jack's boat observed tom well i suppose you want me to cut my yarn short as soon as it was dark we lighted our fire which we should have been puzzled to do had not gerald had some few seeds in his pocket which he carries you will understand to give a light to any one who wants to smoke a cigar i understand observed jack laughing you of course mr desmond never dream of smoking one yourself only occasionally sir and tom and i had finished all i had when we were captured by the gauchos our fires burned well continued tom and we roasted our young capybara to perfection we only wanted salt and pepper and an onion or two to make it delicious as it was with the addition of a little brown bread we had remaining we made a good meal and slept like tops till daylight one of us you will understand regularly kept watch on the river while the other searched for provisions except when we wanted to catch another young capybara when we had to assist each other we captured the second in the same way we had the first with our long wands and nooses we also caught several birds after dark roosting on the branches of the trees we were afraid however to venture out as far as the plain above to look for partridges lest we might have been seen by any of the country people or soldiers who might have been on their way to the cliff i spoke of we found indeed that men were constantly on the watch for passing vessels and we should to a certainty have been discovered our chief exploit was catching the big capybara which we attempted when we had eaten nearly all her young ones we were afraid if we took the last that she might suspect that something was wrong and make off we accordingly got up at night when we thought that she would be asleep and placed a couple of nooses at the mouth of her hole securing the end to a part of the root of the tree which rose above the ground we then went back to our cave and roasted the last of the young ones we had caught as usual we kept watch by turns we had become somewhat anxious at night for we could not help thinking that the smell of our roast pig might attract some keen-scented jaguar to the spot and i can tell you that the thought of being snatched up at any moment by one of those beasts made us keep our eyes about us and prevented us from going to sleep i know it did me and i am pretty sure that gerald was not more comfortable in his mind on the subject than i was it was my morning watch and as soon as daylight returned i called gerald and we crept carefully up to the capybara's hole we had not long to wait before we heard her barking for strange to say though she was like a pig she did not grunt she was calling to her solitary young one to get up i suppose presently we felt a pull on one of our lines and directly afterwards the other was drawn taut we gave each of them a jerk and then springing forward with our sticks we were just in time before the capybara drew back into her hole to give her a couple of stunning blows on the head we quickly had her out and a few more blows deprived her of life it occurred to us that if we dragged her up to our cave the track might lead any passer-by to it 
we therefore fastened her legs together and carried her on one of our sticks the little one following wondering i dare say why its mother had taken to move in so curious a fashion and not seeming to notice us desmond proposed that we should tame it but as we could not manage to find it food we were obliged to kill it not being expert butchers we were employed most of the day in skinning and cutting up the beasts our chief puzzle was to know what to do with the offal at last we put it into the skin and carrying it down at night threw it into the river in the meantime our cave had the not over pleasant odour of a butcher's shop in hot weather while we were in the constant apprehension of a visit from a jaguar our regret was that though we had a superabundance of meat we should soon be reduced to short commons as it was not likely to keep even when cooked for more than a couple of days we had just returned from the river having accomplished the task i spoke of and had lighted our fire when we heard a rustling of the leaves at the entrance the flames just then blazing up brightly the next instant we caught sight of the savage-looking head of one of the monsters we dreaded which had poked its way between the boughs and was apparently about to spring on us desmond instinctively laid hold of the first thing which came to hand this happened to be one of the capybara's legs which we were about to spit we then seized our sticks to fight for our lives but the jaguar having caught the tempting morsel either satisfied with it or frightened by the bright flames and our sticks which we flourished in his face sprang back and bounded away with the meat in his mouth having repaired our fence and made it as we hoped more secure we returned to cook and eat our supper i confess that neither of us felt very comfortable on watch that night lest the jaguar should come back for a further supply of capybara that was only last night we little thought at the time how soon our robinson crusoe life was coming to an end though pleasant in some respects it was not as you see without its drawbacks directly the supple jack hove in sight we recognized her but having seen the enemy on the top of the cliffs we were in great doubt whether we should succeed in getting off it seems indeed a wonder to me that we were not killed and i only hope we feel sufficiently grateful for our preservation i am afraid tom that we are not and never can be sufficiently grateful for the mercies shown to us observed jack gravely if we had not been watched over and taken care of we should none of us be here at the present moment now as you and desmond look somewhat sleepy go and turn in gerald was half asleep already and tom having given one or two significant yawns they were both very glad to obey jack's order End of section thirty three